Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Alex. Alex, how you been? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, brave the bustling crowd this weekend to go and see Doctor Strange 2. There were 11 people in our theater. <laughs> uh, my, my theater had a few more than that. It was probably closer to like 25, 30 people, but... It wasn't too packed because you took my advice and went to an early show. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> no one was out of work yet, so the theaters weren't too packed. Five o'clock on a Thursday seems to be my go-to now. Maybe I'll do the same <laughs> for Maverick. Maybe you'll be the only one in the theater for that one. How dare you? <laughs> There's no Kenny Loggins. That, that ain't worth going to see. Excuse me, Lady Gaga, hold my hand. It's heartbreaking. I watched that video, I don't know, twice. <laughs> No Kenny Loggins, no deal. Sorry. Oh, fine, fine. The man with the extra tooth down the middle of his face, not enough to get, for me to get in the theater. Especially with Miles Teller as the antagonist. Uh, you had to remind me, Miles Teller's in it. Great. I was just remembering Tom Cruise and, you know, Jets. And what more could I want? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks fantastic, but Miles Teller and Tom Cruise is a little too much for me. Like, that's a lot of faces I really that really make me just want to punch a wall. <laughs> Oh, come on. Jennifer Connelly's in it. We have John Hamm. We have maybe a walk-by cameo of Iceman. <laughs> He's a painting. We, we've seen it already. Ah, fine. Or no, is that Val Kilmer? Who is he? Uh, yeah, Val Kilmer. Okay. I have not seen Top Gun in a very long time, so character names mean nothing to me anymore besides Tom Cruise being Maverick. Well, we'll see. It's a sequel, what, 35 years on? Ugh. So... Before you joined us in this episode, not you, Alex, but the royal you, the listeners, uh, you heard an ad for the live stream for The Cure. Uh, we will be participating in that on Friday, May 20th. We actually have a two-hour slot. Becky and I will be talking about our controversial gaming takes, as well as print media, essentially books, comic books, mangas, whatever uh, we would like to see adapted into movies or TV shows for those two hours. Plus we will be raffling off a Funko pop Dr. Strange mug, not a Dr. Strange Funko pop, but a mug that is in the shape of a F Dr. Strange Funko pop, uh, which is actually a Marvel collector core exclusive from back in 2017 when the first Dr. Strange movie came out. So it is a little bit of a collector's item. So uh, we're going to have a, a fun little raffle set up for that. Details will follow. But again, if you are, interested in donating to a good cause definitely please donate to the live stream either beforehand or during it's going to run from may 19th to may 21st and we open up day two for a two-hour slot i'm very excited and before we get into our main topic this week with dr strange in the multiverse of madness we are going to get a quick ad from our friends at the fuck my work life podcast We'll be right back. Have you ever had a bad day at work? Well, the Fuck My Work Life podcast is perfect for you. Hosts J&K share listeners' entertaining stories from the workplace, which may have you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Find Fuck My Work Life on your favorite podcast platform. And welcome back. Alex, we finally saw a movie opening weekend for the first time in like two years. How's it feel? Oh, man, I forgot how many trailers they played before these movies. 
That is true. <laughs> I vaguely remember that there were so many trailers, and because our show was at five, and I'm like, okay, stated, you know, that movie's two hours and six minutes plus to get it like the ten to twelve minutes of credits, and we got to stay all the way to the end, and then I think there's like ten-ish minutes, so I was like, okay, seven thirty, seven thirty. It's probably when I'm walking out of the theater. We were walking out at seven twenty-nine. <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's so long. It's so long. But once the movie actually started, it was so pleasant. And I was actually looking forward to, you know, probably Maverick or something like that. Take, you know, especially since if I can pick and choose, like, okay, early, early on a Thursday, no one's really here, less my exposure. Once the movie actually started, I was invested. And it felt good to be actually at a movie theater. Indeed. I, I was very excited to be in the theater again. Last movie I saw in theaters was Spider-Man No Way Home, which was like at the very middle of February and there was no one in the theater. So it wasn't quite that theater going experience that I'm used to, but it was a nice like easing back into the process. And then again, this one, like you're saying, lower crowds with this early show because everyone's at work still. It was a very nice calm crowd like i think i was the most boisterous of anyone and it was when one of the cameos showed up and there was a musical cue and i went nice like that's it that that was that was about as boisterous as i got in the theater and anyone else seemingly got i was definitely the most uh boisterous boisterous because i was going oh yes oh and i was like yes because of course there was a, a cameo that is expected from a Sam Raimi movie, and I was giggling and very happy about yeah, that. Yeah, you can say it's the Bruce Campbell cameo. Like, no one cares about oh, that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's Bruce Campbell. It's not significant. I was so happy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> to the story, it's not significant. <laughs> I know. I know. I was excited about so that. So we are recording this at the end of the week. So we actually have box office numbers, where sometimes we don't. Uh, but Disney's calling the domestic box office at $185 million. It is actually projected to be adjusted to somewhere between 194 and 197 million. The global box office is being projected at 450 million. So this is a huge opening for this movie because the original Doctor Strange closed out at 607 million worldwide. Or I'm sorry, 677 million worldwide. So it's already yeah. over halfway to that previous global total. Yeah, I was actually really surprised when I uh, woke up this morning and I looked at the projections for the weekend uh, because I believe on Thursday or something they were saying about probably 140 US, maybe 300 worldwide. And to see those Sunday projections, I was like, wow, um, either people are that desperate for movie content, probably, or Sam Raimi has a lot of random fans that we don't know about, probably. But the movie was also just good, which I think also helped that it was a different take than we got from the first Doctor Strange movie but also I think part of what helped it is just there is a little bit of Marvel fatigue I feel with some of the other properties or just the general how many you know how many of these movies can they release and to actually have a second movie that feels different and is being marketed a little bit differently and kind of ca- and catering to a slightly different audience than just hey listen if you've seen the last 22 movies you've got to show up for number 23 i'm actually pretty surprised the, this is actually marvel movie number 28 oh wow we're up to yeah black panther at the end of the year is number 30 
I, th- I think the marketing was a little weird with this. Um, I'm not going to get it too much into it now because that it does get a little bit more spoilery, but I am curious how much of the box office was because of the trailers and the hype and how much of it was like all the leaks. Because again, I'm extraordinarily glad I went and saw this on Thursday. If I had waited even a day, so much of this movie would have been spoiled for me and I would have been pissed. Uh, this is as blind as I went into a Marvel movie in a long time. Like I, I mean, Endgame technically wasn't that far away considering we had a, a two year gap of movies, uh, which Endgame was, I, I, I knew nothing other than the trailers. And I was like, that's fine. That's what I'm doing. And I did that with this movie too. I didn't look up anything extra. There were a few Twitter accounts that spoiled something from the TV spots, but I'm not going to spoil it here because again, I want to do some non-spoiler discussion, but there's a lot to talk about that is spoilers. So uh, let's do non-spoilers really quick. Benedict Cumberbatch coming back as Dr. Strange. The wig is somehow getting worse, but the performance is still good. Benedict Wong as Wong, still very good. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda, really good. Uh, again, we'll get more, very good. more into the details of her everyone's performance and roles. Uh, which, again, going back to Benedict Cumberbatch really quick, he plays, what, three, four different roles technically? Yeah, I'm leaning towards four, and they're, they all feel just a little bit different which is nice like i was never really confused i can yeah i agree with that and then uh we have the newcomer um zochi gomez as america chavez um which comics fans would know her as the multiverse jumping super powered heroine um new audiences will meet her and hopefully enjoy her because i thought she was quite wonderful as well there's no real spoiler the first scene she's in and immediately there's a bit of empathy because it's very much the scene, the introduction scene with um, her character, uh, America uh, Chavez, is strange, is helping her. And immediately there's immediate empathy of, okay, where there's our, there's our quote unquote hero, Dr. Strange, and he's assisting somebody. Why is he assisting somebody? And, and there's immediate empathy with her that she then carries throughout the entire movie of you want you feel as a bit of an audience that you also you want to see her protected but you also want to see her empowered i really dug that i am actually excited to see where the next movies go with her as a character does she get her own you know disney plus show is she just going to start appearing in randomly in the other movies kind of like um black widow was for quite a while which you know she just shows up and you're like oh cool thank you i really dug her presence i could definitely see her being the new nick fury or black widow um she is a very powerful character in the comics. So uh, how do you handle a character that's so powerful? You, you kind of make them uh, not necessarily a side character, but you, you make them a support character in a way. And the original plan actually for Spider-Man No Way Home was to have America be the reason for the Spider-Man to come through. Uh, she was going to be the one that opens the portals and brings the amazing Spider-Man and the Toby Spider-Man to the the marvel universe the marvel cinematic universe and uh because of covid and rewrites and everything it ended up being dr strange and it ended up being the story that we got um but that that's an alternate reality no pun intended that i would love to be see because i want to see tom holland and zochi interact i think there's there would be some really good chemistry there yeah i could definitely see that we're, we're going to just do overall impressions in this non-spoiler section, and then we'll jump into spoiler discussion, because, again, there's a lot of spoilers to talk about. So my my thought is this is probably the most like 
a director directed this movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe like ever. I really can't think of another movie where I'm like, this is a specific director directing this. Maybe Avengers and Age of Ultron, but that's more the writing with Joss Whedon than I think it is the visual. Yeah, I would agree with that. So um, like something like Guardians of the Galaxy um, or Eternals, I would say that's more of a writing and pacing than it is a direction. Um, even I'm, cause I, after it came out of the movie, I was like, this is definitely a Sam Raimi movie. I, I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. I was introduced to Army of Darkness at like eight years old, which is way too young. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I consumed his other, his other films. I, I've watched a lot of the shows he's produced. And, I w- and from the, the trailers, I was like, okay, I can see a little bit of Raimi in that, in that shot. I can see a little bit of like this, but it's a trailer. It's kind of hard to tell. But about three minutes into the movie, I was like, this is definitely a Sam Raimi film. It's the positioning of the shots there. Um, it's how he likes his depth of camera. And I felt like I was watching a director direct something versus someone who was, especially since he came into the production very late um, because there was a disagreement over the script with the original director who had done Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange. And rumor is they wanted Sam Raimi, which he hasn't directed anything since Oz the Great and Powerful, which was a Disney property, and he had apparently had a horrible time on that. To be fair, he also directed the first episode of the Evil Dead TV show, but I wouldn't really count that. It's just he directed the pilot. And so watching moments, and then once things began to pick up, I was like, this is definitely someone who has a mastery of the camera and knows what they want to shoot. The only thing, and we'll get to spoilers later, is that I felt like he didn't have his hand fully in the script, which that laid into production. I can understand that due to a bit of a COVID shutdown, he did a little bit of massaging of the script with his writing partners. But I could kind of tell that this probably isn't fully the movie he wanted to do, but the the what he was filming was what he wanted. He was going to place the camera right there. He was going to have the actors do this. He was going to mess with the, the audio design, which was fantastic. And then I'm probably going to steal a point you want to make. I actually heard the movie score and was aware there was a score for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not really a spoiler. We can talk about that. Um, yeah. Danny Elfman finally, once again, produced a good musical score. Like, I, I noticed it and... I know through their relationship with the Spider-Man movies, I was like, hmm, is this Michael Giamocca Cappuccino? Or I know his name is actually actually like Michael Giacchino, I believe is how it's pronounced, but I his name is complicated. Um, or is this Danny Elfman? Because I know they have a relationship. Did they actually bring in Danny Elfman? I'm noticing the score, so I'm leaning more towards Giacchino. And then I paid attention to the the credits and saw it was Danny Elfman. It's like, oh my God, he actually produced a score that was like noticeable and good. Yeah, the the Elfman score. There were little moments where I was just where you can tell it's an Elfman score. He likes it's this little, um, he likes these little choral things that are very punchy, which is very much the um, the Spider Man, the the Spider Man theme. But also, you definitely notice that in his uh, not Willy Wonka and the Choc- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. His Charlie and the Chocolate Factory score, he does that a lot in. And of course, he he he's known for that. It, somewhere, it's in the Batman theme. It is definitely in the Edward Scissorhands theme and stuff like that. I wasn't going like, oh, he's aping himself. I was more like, this music actually is enhancing these moments. 
that to me elevated the movie beyond the script, which I have some problems with the script. I think that's fair. And I mean, there were some uh, pretty big reshoots as well. Uh, so I think well, that'll wrap up the non-spoilers. Uh, again, we, we enjoyed the movie. I don't think it's the movie that a lot of people were expecting, especially with the name of the movie, like Multiverse of Madness. Um, that might have been a bit like Age of Ultron, where it's like, oh, how long is this movie? Oh, it takes place over six days. It's not quite an age. No, uh, definitely enjoyed the movie. I'm glad I went to the theater to uh, see it. I'm glad I saw it. Um, I will definitely be watching probably two or three more times once it eventually hits Disney+. Plus. And there are moments in the movie where I will revisit just as they're just pure genius character moments and amazing direction, which will make me want to watch it again. Yeah, I'm a shill for physical media, so I'll be buying this day one. It's definitely a must-see, must-buy, whatever you want to call it uh, for me. But this is now your spoiler warning. We are moving into spoiler territory. Uh, Alex, where do you want to start? Because there's so much here. We'll start with who the villain is. Um, I went in expecting it to be Nightmare. I was like, weird, creepy demon thing. This is definitely going to be Nightmare. Um, Yeah, no, 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 it was Wanda. From the get go, from the mo, oh, looking back at it, there was a great bit of dialogue, um, which is Doctor Strange eventually shows up to talk to her because he wants to talk to about her about America, and he's walking through that orchard that we saw at the end of Wandavision that she's at, and he picks like a, an apple or like a tree stem or something, plucks it off, and he steps and says, "Well, it almost smells real," and she and goes like, "Don't you mean sweet?" And, and he goes, "Oh yeah, sweet." And then it turns out it's all an illusion and she's evil as hell. <laughs> this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with the trailer where I was watching a YouTube video. And uh, when an ad popped up, has Wong talking about how you should have never done this spell, how uh, you're reaping the ramifications for your actions. And I'm like, oh, OK, so this is kind of following through from No Way Home and him using the time stone at the end of the first Doctor Strange movie. No, none of that dialogue is even in the movie. The movie opens up like the world is normal. Nothing is wrong. And then, well, I should say it doesn't open up. That's the opening act is uh, Defender Strange and America and uh, a monster's preventing them from getting to the book of Vishanti. And Defender Strange is like, I have to kill you and take your power so I can defeat this monster and then get to the book of Vishanti. It's convoluted as hell, but basically Defender Strange is like, sacrificing you for the greater good is the best thing to do. Then America gets away because this monster that's chasing them stabs Defender Strange through the leg, which poisons him. She gets them into a new universe, which just happens to be the MCU universe. And the movie kind of kicks off from there. It just the the trailer, the (laughs) the implications from the trailer is nothing like what we ended up getting throughout the movie. Uh, Because, again, my my feeling based on the trailer was we're dealing with fallout from no way home and strange is going to recruit Wanda to help, which we kind of, we see that scene play out. Uh, and then throughout their trips through the multiverse, Wanda's going to be like, I can branch away here and go get steal my kids and bring them back. And that's when she's going to turn one strange is like, you can't just take people out of the multiverse. No, her idea is, uh, Minerva's plan from the Netflix Voltron series, which is 
she's going to scour the multiverse, find a timeline where her kids exist, and she's going to take those kids, or she's going to replace their mom and be their mom in that universe. Which Minerva's plan at least was a little bit more well thought out. Minerva was like, I'm going to find a universe with a dead me with my family, and I'm just going to replace the dead me. Wanda's like, I'm going to go murder me, and then replace me. The problem I have with Wanda's plan with an infinite multiverse is that the writer of the show, uh, the writer of the episode, Michael Waldron, um, sorry, movie, also did Loki and Rick and Morty. And as a Rick and Morty fan, Rick and Morty have abandoned universes before. And the way they abandon a universe is they look for a universe very similar to theirs, but there may be one or two changes. And they find a universe where something happened that the day they want to transfer that killed the old Rick and Morty. So they just step in and hide the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of expecting like, okay, she's, she, because what it is is she's using the dark hold. Um, Wanda is she's using the dark hold. She's doing it without Agatha's um, guidance or some kind of guidance. She's just learning on her own. And she keeps hearing the voice of the, the two children. And they exist. They're real in another universe. But yeah, her plan is to go and kill herself and take over seamlessly. And she also has, to, she also has to get America's powers so that she right. can get she to, to that multiverse. universe. Because part of America's powers is she can jump through multiverses. And she's going to take that power which i i think to the movie's credit they do cover the their bases of like well why can't she just talk to america and be like hey i want to go live in this universe can i go there now can you send me there if she wants to take america's power so in case the kids get sick she can take them to another universe and get them healed so that they live for however long they can right also america can't control her power her power is only activated when she's in extreme duress so that's why wanda wants to take it I'm confused why Wanda didn't just find a universe where, like, she falls down the stairs that day <laughs> and it slips in, chucks the body in the back. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Minerva's plan, at least, she was like, I'm dead in this universe. I can just slip right in. Whereas Wanda's like, I'm just going to kill myself and then slip right in. Right. But this is also another little bit of problem I have with the script is they don't really mention Vision other than, like, once she mentions that her sorrow over Viz. And then she and Strange get into an argument and she's like, you have never, she's like, and she, I get her justification for being angry at Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange made this like, oh, this is our one chance universe thing that they mentioned once or twice. But she's also like, you didn't choose a universe where I didn't have to watch myself kill Vision and it be for nothing. And so I was like, okay, I get her anger at him and her distress of him because no matter what, there's still a universe where she kills Viz and it means nothing because Thanos immediately reverses it and takes and kills him again. But she couldn't find a universe where Vision was also alive, where like she and the kids and Vision were all together. It was very much to like two throwaway lines of like, screw Vision, screw WandaVision, the show. I only care about the kids and murdering myself. Yeah, it's, it is really strange that they didn't bring back uh, White Vision, Gray Vision, whatever you want to call him. It, it seemed like something that you could easily be like, like, I, I don't know. He he's kind of rediscovered himself by the end of WandaVision. He knows he's the original vision, but something's wrong because he doesn't have the Mind Stone. But this seemed like a good point where they could have brought him in at some point during the third act and be like, hey, stop being crazy. 
I'm still here. I just need to figure some shit out first. But she's just obsessed with the kids, like you're saying. Like, it's really strange. No pun intended. <laughs> That's really... Her motivation is really the only thing that I actually have a problem with the script. I don't know if it's a timing thing where, like, they kind of snuck WandaVision in. And this was supposed to be... Again, this was supposed to be released before No Way Home. Um, but then they had a shuffle and production issues, and so it came out after. But that's really my only issue is I don't understand the choice of where she in, wants to end up and the situation she wants to end up in. That's really my only issue. Everything else, I'm totally on board with. <laughs> like, I, uh, I talked with Scotty a little bit about this, and I know he wasn't a fan of Wanda's characterization. Like, from where she ends up at WandaVision to where she starts in this... They kind of just one line it away saying the Darkhold corrupts whoever reads from it. So Wanda being the Scarlet Witch, which she became the Scarlet Witch before she ever really read the Darkhold. The Scarlet Witch is prophesied to be this like benevolent, either like savior or destroyer. And she never really becomes either. But she also. It seems like they differentiate the two. So like Wanda is separate from the Scarlet Witch because she even says so early on in the movie where she's like, you're dealing with Wanda right now. But if you keep disobeying me, essentially, or keep not giving me America, then you're going to have to deal with the Scarlet Witch. And that bitch is crazy. Like, aren't aren't you two the same? I will say that is actually that leads to some that why I was so invested in the movie. Once it was like, wait, she's the bad guy. And then she's like, I'm coming. And they go to, um, what is the name of the, their Comertage? Yeah, Comertage. Yeah. Um, he takes uh, America to there with Wong to like, Hey, we're going to get out. We're going to get everybody from the sanctums and all our trainees. And we're going to defend America here against Scarlet Witch. And basically, once she started attacking them is when I was full on involved, because that's when I got Sam Raimi. Um, there was one moment, there was a few moments earlier where I was like, wait, this is a very Raimi thing to do, because when he's when he has um, it's at the um, it's at uh, the wedding where uh, Rachel McAdams, Christine is getting married to somebody else. There's a scene where they're talking with each other and he uses the exact same camera placement as a scene as the i think it's spider-man 2 where um it's like the engagement party for mary jane and the astronaut guy or is that the third one uh, that would be the second anyway. one um john jameson right yeah and he has um toby on one side and i suddenly forgot her name i'm so tired it's been a long week kirsten dunst and Kirsten Dunst on the other and like they're on separate sides of the frame and in the center there's like people moving around in the background and he uses a very clear lens so it's not like a lot of directors will use that soft focus where they're up front and everything else is blurred he likes a clear focus and while Dr. Strange and Christine were talking it was like this gap because they're on a balcony area and there's this gap to the other balcony and there's somebody gesticulating very wildly to somebody in a chair and i got distracted by <laughs> watching that person going is he talking to who is that person is that the person what are they talking is i tapping into a lamp and it's actually a person in a chair but it was such a like clear focus i'm like wait a second i did the exact same thing in spider-man 2 but once wanda shows up at scarlet witch and begins her assault on them as scarlet witch that's when the horror starts and his movements and he starts using using uh, like mind trickery. Uh, she infests somebody's mind to scare them. 
and starts blowing them up and then you start seeing people disintegrating not the dusting disintegration but full-on like burst into flames and then turn to and then turn to ash like ashen bodies and then disintegrate oh and i was like okay she's the villain let's see where this all goes let's how trippy is he gonna go with this and he brought it he brought contortions and memory and mimicry and oh so um, the only real complaint I probably have about this movie is that that flash in the pan trip through multiple multiverses. I would have liked that to have been a little bit slower. Like, give me two or three extra seconds in each of those those areas just so I could see a little bit more. Because like there there's one area where it's just all gardens and it's beautiful. And then there's another area where everyone is paint. Yeah, that was awesome. Were we paint? That's a real weird universe to try to eat in, which she sold that line. I love that line. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, America's been in like 74 multiverses in the infinite multiverse, and it's so good. And one of the things we didn't touch on is Marvel has decided that with introducing the multiverse, whenever a character in any multiverse dreams, they're dreaming of one of themselves in the multiverse. So like Dr. Strange at the start of the movie dreams about Defender Strange trying to kill America because their fight that they're having. And it's just really an interesting concept that you're peering into another universe through a dream and you just kind of brush it off when you wake up like, oh, that was weird. And then America, America knows she's the only person America in the multiverse because she never dreams, which I think is kind of haunting and beautiful and yeah, that line. So there's two lines about that that I find very interesting. Um, one is said by uh, Sochi, which is that line was great. Like, I know I'm the only one because I've never, I never dream, which is like, whoa. But the other line is said eventually. Doctor Strange ends up at like this hellscape with an evil Doctor Strange who has been reading the Darkhold as well in this multiverse, and he says a line that creeped me the hell out. He's like, have you ever, ha-? he's like, do you know how many Dr. Stranges I've killed? He's like, have you ever had a dream where you're falling? I was the one that pushed you. That creeped me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, oh. that was really cool. That was, I feel like that had to have been a Sam Raimi inclusion. Oh yeah, that horrified me. I was like, no, because so many of my nightmares, I'm falling. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So I know this is something that a lot, this is where, again, I think that the expectations of the trailer, a lot of people are expecting like a cameo palooza because it's the multiverse of madness, which again, I think might be a, a mischaracterization of the title of the movie, but the movie really like the second act really kind of slows down because you get that trip through the multiverse strange in america have a little quick like these are the rules of traveling the multiverse you eat you figure out if you have to pay money oh we got to pay money run and then uh you meet up with another universe's baron mordo which strange is like oh this is going to be interesting and then he makes the mistake of trusting mordo and that's where we finally meet the illuminati which again it with that being such a highly anticipated moment especially with that first trailer where we hear xavier I'm like, where, where are we going with this? Where, when are we getting there? And, uh, 
maybe the scene won't be as long as people want it to be. I'm not saying I'm included in that, but that that scene with the Illuminati is fantastic. Do we want to do a rundown of who is in the Illuminati? Uh, yeah, but let's back up just a quick moment. Um, beep, beep, of, beep. Yeah, how we got there. So Wanda assaults the uh, assaults them and slaughters a bunch of people, captures Wu, which, by the way, I love that. Captures that, that Wong. Kind of, sorry. Oh, sorry captures Wong. Wong. My apologies. Yeah, Wong. They, I love that they continued from the No Way Home that he is Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange was gone for five years and they need one, and he's still Sorcerer Supreme. That was kind of a throwaway line. That was basically his only real role in that movie. But here they can not continue that, one, he is Sorcerer Supreme, but he's respected, and he has agency, and the others respect him, and he takes action. He doesn't like, yes, I'm Sorcerer Supreme, but we'll just let Doctor Strange do it all. No, he, he does that, and he, ends up, he does end up captured by Wanda, but I love that. He got his own arc in the movie as well because he, he's felt he's been a little underutilized especially since the f- first movie he was just kind of like the um the librarian the put upon librarian yeah but they continue to invest in him to be fair they they still have made his character better from the comics because in the comics he's essentially just a manservant so they they've definitely given him a promotion in, yeah. in the movies so i really like that so uh, he ends up captured. Wanda's still trying to like find where they went by using the dark hole to, to peer into all the other realities. And Doctor Doctor Strange and America get captured by Mordo and taken before the Illuminati. But before they get there, he meets an alternate version of Christine, and he continues to find out that in each of his realities, he doesn't get with her, which I think is great because that continues the what if where he kept trying the what if series where he kept trying to prevent um, the accident. And if I didn't have the accident, we'd be together and stuff like that. I actually really like that. They kind of gave the acknowledgement that you are pining after something after someone that has moved on from you. And in every reality, dude, I actually liked that. The, the carryover from what if is definitely minimal, but that is one yeah. of them that it's a, it's a reoccurring theme at least that is very good. Right. And so she, and then she continues to basically kind of educate him and have a bit of an arc. It's still underutilized. Um, Rachel McAdams is, but at least they didn't be like, Oh, in this reality, I was, I'm so sad because he died, but I can't be with you because I'm mourning this one. No, it's just like, no, we don't work out, dude. That's just life. Anyway, so, and then we get to the Illuminati. We got to start with, and I love that they used his actual name, Blackagar Boltagon, (laughs) also known as Black Bolt. And uh, he's he's in the the actual like comic accurate suit, which they actually brought back the guy from the Inhumans TV show to go into the suit, which with the the cowl and everything, I, I couldn't have picked him out of a lineup, but... I do think that is kind of a ballsy choice that they went with to be like, whatever, no one's going to care because no one watched that stupid show to begin with. There was an Inhumans show. They didn't like promote that in theaters as like a one weekend exclusive IMAX <laughs> feature or something, did they? Uh, some like the first it would be it would have been pretty cool if they did like the first two episodes. That would have been good. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a shame that no one ever saw it. <laughs> and next up, we have Maria Rambo as Captain Marvel looking amazing in that suit she looks amazing in that suit and i loved it even more because it just slapped the face 
of everyone who's like, it's going to be Tom Cruise as the superior mm-hmm. Iron Man. Nope. Like, nope. It's a black woman who's going to kick some ass. Mm-hmm. That looks amazing. Uh, then they brought back, uh, they brought Captain Carter in. Yes, which is uh, Haley Atwell in anything is always a welcome sight, but Haley Atwell in that Captain Carter uniform was great. The only complaint I have about that is that she kept the shield on her arm while she was sitting, which was weird. I think that was just so you realize that she's Captain America. <laughs> Probably is is definitely more of a visual thing, but like you could have her just put the shield down in front of her. It's fine. Yeah, beside her. Because like, like, I mean, they introduce her, her with her throwing the shield and then she catches it and it's like, oh, okay. Because again, like there's minimal what if tie-ins, but that Captain Carter is probably the the number one thing you need to get from what if if you're gonna go see this movie. We have Mordo, and then we get John Krasinski as Reed Richards, Mister Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm I was like, huh, they did it. Okay. I I was so excited for that, and that was probably the first time I realized in. There, there is a production issue here where I'm pretty sure they just filmed everyone separately to avoid leaks. Because if you look at that scene when they're pulled back and you see Doctor Strange on the left and all the Illuminati on the right, everyone looks like they're on a blue screen, but they're in their own separate blue screen because there's hard lines around all of them. Yeah, that scene was a little weird because they really didn't interact with each other. And I mean, I think they maybe glanced over their shoulders when um xavier hovers out and which when xavier hovers out and we get that 90s x-men theme like that that's when it went nice i did too because you only know, got that little stinger and he he, hover, he hovers out and it's like the yellow hover thing from the 90s cartoon but that does not look good in an actual no that, no that yellow hover chair did not look good at all like that looked like my my baby in her little like penguin chair that she she can't sit up her on her own end so it's like really tight against her chest to keep her vertical and yeah. it like it, it needed to be lower and a little further out cuz like how the hell is a crippled man getting in there to begin with and what if he needs to go to the bathroom is there a bathroom built into that thing it 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 wasn't great but there was the bit of joy of like, yes, yes, we have Xavier, we have his hover pram, we have this version, I mean, something Avengers is the Illuminati, and I, I dug it. it. But there was the moments like, they really probably didn't interact with each other at all. They probably all filmed on separate days because of COVID issues and, you know, and of course, with all the threat of leaks and stuff like that. But they have a good, basically, they reveal what happens to their version of Doctor Strange, which has a giant statue outside of the Sanctum, which basically says Doctor Strange gave his life to save us all from Thanos. And I was like, okay. But then they tell him what actually happened, that this universe's Doctor Strange ended up with the Darkhold because he needed something to defeat Thanos with and used it. So after they all defeat collectively defeat thanos which they do a flashback scene which is like oh wow this apparently was a lot of destruction to kill him their version of dr strange then says okay cool now me because i cannot have this much power and i actually was really touched that uh, black bolt kills him by saying i'm sorry and the concussive blast basically just (laughs) slaughters him i will say that that moment with black bolt took too long because like i get that they need to convey what's happening but he says i'm sorry and the concussive blast goes for a lot longer than that 
like no it only goes for as long as he's speaking it doesn't like rev up and rev down i mean i i think it worked because you know we're watching strange die but uh, yeah it it did take a while um and of course while all that's happening strange is like saying listen wanda's coming for us and they're all oh we can handle your little witch uh the hubris yes the hubris of the illuminati (laughs) wanda's used uh the dark hold to do a ritual spell where she takes over the version of herself that she wants to which another amazing sam that's actually sam remy doing his job which is and his some of his um trademark shots is using the camera as the enemy to show wanda sneaking up and hovering and pulling back and snapshot and and then infesting her and taking her over and we get a great scene of her just wrecking face fighting to get all the way to america and uh and uh christine and while she's destroying all these Ultron robots that they have as protectors there, all the other the Illuminati are like, "Oh wow, this is not. We we got this. We're gonna take we're gonna take care of her." And then straight up abandon him, <laughs> Strange <laughs> Chimordo, to then confront her after she's destroyed everything to get to America. I love this scene so much. The Scarlet Witch destroying the Illuminati was so good. Especially the Black Bolt one. Like, I have no ill will against that character, but that death was so creative and so good. And I've seen a lot of people complain that Reed Richards essentially dares Wanda to do something about it because he reveals what Black Bolt can do. And it basically just makes gives Wanda the, the leg up in, in the matter. I'm like, I don't care. Look at what what the end result was. Like, you you know they're not doing anything. Like it's this is clearly a a beat up wharf kind of situation, and yeah. it it works so well. And again, it's it's it plays to the hubris. Like the they're this version of the any version of the Marvel Illuminati, they're always like, we know best. We're gonna handle things our own way, and then it always goes south because they're just too arrogant in what they're doing. And with Black Bolt essentially Sonic blasting him self because he loses his mouth that effect was so good and it was again like i bought his panic and then just the immediate just like oh good good stuff and then she looks at reed and she and she's like do you have children oh yes i do do they have a mother do their mother is your is their mother alive well yes she is then they'll have someone to take care of him. And she spaghettis him. And not only does she spaghetti him, when it gets to his head, his head pops. <laughs> There's a yep. red mist. And I was actually really happy because I'm like, because I, I, I mentioned it um, at the end of a, like, one of the other podcasts we were just kind of talking. And I had watched this first, the Spider-Man trilogy. And I, and I was, and I realized how bloody the Spider-Man trilogy is coming from Raimi. There's, everybody bleeds like gobs of blood out of their mouth and wounds and stuff like that versus the MCU, which has been kind of sterile, like, Oh, abrasions. We have abrasions that are kind of gross, but there's popping blood. And then she takes on, um, she takes on Rambo and Carter together. And she, and they recreate a, a kind of a shot from um, the Falcon and the winter soldier. 
of the bloody shield because she gra grabs the shield that was thrown at her by Captain Carter and whips it back at, at Peggy and hits the wall and sticks in and it's just dripping blood. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make the parallels to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but yeah, Peggy's death was so gruesome. Uh, it, I mean, again, Haley Atwell, Swoon, um, I, I always hate seeing her go and Marvel's killed her off twice now. And... <laughs> Just oh no, not my Peggy. Yeah, I actually, even though uh, Lashana Lynch didn't have a whole lot of screen time as Captain Marvel, I bought her determination to try to just beat the hell out of Wanda. <laughs> yeah, and I think she had the most disappointing death of any of them. She just got crushed under a pillar, which doesn't seem like. Maybe she has a different skill set than Carol Danvers. It doesn't seem to be, uh, but like getting crushed under a pillar doesn't seem like that would do either version of Captain Marvel in. Um, but I mean, they just needed to move on essentially. I, I took that as they did that focus power beam moment where they're both shooting power beams at each other and Wanda pushes back at her at her. And you see like all the arm, the face mask armor, like disintegrate and be pushed off of her. I took it as kind of like she was overwhelmed and then just got smashed. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. It probably didn't kill her, but I took that as, Hey, I've literally beaten the armor off of you and now i'm smashing you that's how i, well, I mean it. captain marvel one of captain marvel's weaknesses is magic so if if the blast from wanda constitutes as magic then i mean that blast probably could have done more damage so i mean i could see that and then the pillar just kind of added insult to injury so uh, xavier's death do you think that would i've been having discussions with um the people i saw the movie with I'm on the I'm on the side that Xavier comes out in his hover pram and they snapshot, you know, quick shots of both of their eyes as they look at each other, Wanda and him. And then it's like this white room and there's rubble and it's like going back to her being a child and she's trapped underneath the rubble. And as he's trying to basically, he says, I'm going to pull the mind Wanda that is trapped inside of out so you can take your body back this red beautiful red mist on white background flows in and the person in the rubble gets sucked away and then a really creepy long nailed black hand glowing eyes demonic version of wanda grabs his neck and snaps his neck grabs his head and snaps his neck and he dies in real life um i took that as wanda stopped him from rescuing herself but my friends contend that was all a mental trap by Wanda to weaken, to distract him for her to kill her. No, I don't take it as that because again, I, the way I originally saw that before they literally spelled it out for us was that again, I thought like the Scarlet Witch and Wanda were separate entities. So when Xavier went into her mind, I thought he was trying to save Wanda to mm. like suppress the, the Scarlet Witch. But in the movie, they, they flat out say that, Oh, you are, this universe is Wanda that is being possessed by the Scarlet Witch. If I pull you out, you'll regain your consciousness and kick her back. She's not going to sleepwalk, dreamwalk, whatever it is. And she'll go back to her universe and you'll be fine. Hmm. But okay. Wanda reacts or responds to the, the mental invasion and snaps his neck, which has Matrix rules, apparently, and kills Xavier. <laughs> Well, they already did a, how can you make a phone call if you don't have a mouth? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
yeah that, that's basically the the big bit before there's like two climaxes in this where once they escape wanda through an amazing like horror chase scene uh through the tunnels to get to um a, a new universe strange has a really cool fight with himself which is that strange with the things just got out of hand yeah. uh, strange that we see in the trailers and uh America gets abducted by the Scarlet Witch and returned to the MCU universe. I don't like saying MCU universe because that's redundant. That's like saying ATM machine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But like they, they label it the 616 universe, but as a fan of the comics, they're not the 616 universe. The comics are the 616 universe. So stop playing with my mind, Marvel. (laughs) I've seen so many angry Reddit boards about that. Well, I mean, Marvel's been doing that since Thor of the Dark World because uh, Selvig is like, we're the 616 and there's there's all these realms and all these universes and the convergence and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so America is kidnapped by Wanda, Scarlet Witch, and Wanda's going to do what Defender Strange did to her and siphon her power again so she can travel the multiverse on her own without America. And Strange wins his fight which again very cool fight where like they're essentially doing dueling pianos but with actual sheet music instead of Mm -hmm. pianos and it's visually stunning like it's not i don't think it's as clever as i've come to bargain but it is at least visually interesting and different compared to other marvel climax fights yeah as someone who can read sheet music i was giggling with joy seeing them actually use notes not just like we're just going to copy paste they're just like actually <laughs> seeing them use like notes and uh, accents and stuff to actually do it and i was like oh these like they actually paid attention this is awesome <laughs> but yeah so like after this fight this is kind of where it becomes standard marvel fare but again they they add a little twist to it because that defender strange that tried to kill america was buried previously in uh just someone's rooftop garden, I guess, uh, when America arrived in. That's the rooftop where um, Hulk meets the, the the ancient one. Oh. Yeah. It's the Seems same smaller. rooftop. Yeah, because it has that little garden in the back and there's that shed. And then okay. they end up landing there in, in the Illuminati universe. They end up landing there, but it's like all like super green now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same place. And huh. yeah. Uh, but Strange is stuck in this incursion universe, so he can't do anything about it. So he's going to dreamwalk with the version of the Darkhold that uh, the other version of him that he just defeated had. And he pops up and he's all decomposed and everything from the sting from the monster from the very beginning of the movie, which, again, very cool fake out because everyone's like, oh, there's going to be Marvel zombies. We're going to go to the Marvel zombie universe. No, <laughs> we fooled you. Again, they actually do spell out that Strange keeps violating um, sacred rules of magic to accomplish his own deed. And like Wanda said earlier, she's like, oh, you do it. You're a hero. I do it. I'm the villain. And one of the things is you're not allowed to possess dead bodies. And so he possesses his dead self and he starts getting attacked by the dead. Um, they come and attack him in the incursion universe, which uh, Christine starts defending him from. And because he's like, got to protect my body. Cause they're going to be pissed. And <laughs> then they start attacking his dead body. Cause they're like, well, we've got to destroy both of these things. 
but then he uses the again he like uses the dark hole powers to basically subjugate the on the dead spirits and form a badass cloak <laughs> <laughs> and flies up to assist wong in defending in in protecting america <laughs> yeah and then again like there's little script moments in in this movie that it's like you could have done a little something different here where america who's been struggling with controlling her powers the entire movie learns that if she just believes in herself she can ma- master her powers because she's had performance anxiety ever since she inadvertently sent her mother's into uh, an alternate reality, which uh, we never talked about. Um, she has mothers, which is awesome. And Disney refused to take 12 seconds of her having gay mothers out of the movie for, I believe, a Saudi audience, um, Saudi market, which, again, probably not the biggest market, but props for Disney for standing up for itself, especially after uh, the don't say gay bill fiasco. Um, But because now America believes in herself, she's able to defeat Wanda and we get a really nice moment where the Wanda that was previously possessed looks at Scarlet Witch Wanda. They have this understanding in each other and good Wanda says to the Scarlet Witch Wanda, know that the children will be loved. Wanda's like, okay. And then she sacrifices herself to destroy the dark, the dark hold building essentially, which I don't think she's actually dead. Um, I feel like we would see a body, but there is a little bit of skepticism in me because I feel like if she wasn't dead, one of the two post credits would have been uh, dedicated to her showing back up. So who knows? Maybe it's one of those ambiguous things where if Elizabeth Olsen doesn't want to come back, she's dead. But if Elizabeth Olsen wants to come back, she she survived somehow. Magic. I don't think she's dead. What I think happened is so, you know, basically we get the America defeats her by showing her, listen, you're a monster. Your own children are afraid of you, (laughs) which I was like, that's actually good resolution. But she's which again, that's. That's straight from Netflix's Voltron series where oh. Lotor sees Minerva and he's like, you're not my mom. Yeah. Um, and she takes down the building and while doing so somehow rele- unleashes a power that destroys the Darkhold and the entire multiverse, every single copy. I'm still not sure on how that worked, but there was a puff of red as the building collapsed. Which I, I guess is supposed to be, oh, she died. There's a puff of red magic. She's been collapsed. But I really think that's just a puff of red if she took off. Yeah, it's either she teleported or I took it as potentially meaning that the magic of the dark hold is broken. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there, it's pretty ambiguous. Before we wrap up here, there's four things left on my notes. Number one being strange after using the dark hold from the incursion universe received the eye of Agamotto, not the medallion, but the actual eye third eye that shows up in the middle of his forehead. This kind of leads into the first post credit scene where the movie literally ends with him like writhing in pain because this third eye is now appearing and they don't tell us anything about it. Like I get that's kind of the mystery of it, but then when we get to the post credits, the first post credit scene, he just summons it willy nilly and is like, I'm ready to go. Look at me with my three eyes. I have a question about that because I don't know all the lore behind that. 
I took it as because he read the Darkhold, that was part of the corruption of him. Because like that's how you find out like the the evil Doctor Strange is evil. Is you you see you suddenly notice. Wait a second, that's a Darkhold hanging out on his hip that he's kind of stroking, and then he pops the eye and he's like, "Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna screw you up." So I took it as, hey, you used the Darkhold, you broke some sacred rules of magic by, again, using time you know, time travel and hopping and Darkhold and using dead bodies and subjugating the undead for your own personal cloak. Yeah, you're corrupted now, which was why he, like, dropped and screamed. But then, yeah, when uh, Clea, who is played by Charlie Saren, shows up, he's like, yeah, we're good. I just pop my eye and move on. <laughs> so... The the third eye is actually supposed to be an augmentation from the eye of Agamotto, which in the MCU previously contained the time stone. Now it's just a nice little brooch for the cloak of levitation. It's supposed to like enhance his power and be a, a positive thing for him. But yeah, this movie makes it seem like it's supposed to be some kind of negative impact reaction to him using the Darkhold. But I mean, it, it remains to be seen what's happening. But again, like like you said, with Clea showing up, uh, and then he's he pops it and he pops the third eye and like let's go let's let's party. I don't know. It's really really weird that something that's supposed to be a like a weird augmentation from something that is a good thing happens because he used the dark hold, which is supposed to corrupt him and make him bad. So like really weird dichotomy of what it is in the comics compared to what it what it is in the movies. Which I mean. Maybe it is still a bad thing because in the comics they say that Agamotto was a real dickhead. So who knows? All right. You got three more. What do you got? Uh, so we, we already kind of touched on it. Clea, Charlize Theron showing up. That did nothing for me because I'm not as familiar with Doctor Strange as I am with other things. And a blonde woman with some purple eye makeup showing up. That's Charlize Theron. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> like she doesn't say I'm Clea. I'm uh, Dormammu's niece. Please come help me because you've done a thing and now we have to fix the thing. She just says, hey, you created an incursion. Come with me. And he's like, pop in my eye. Let's go. Yeah, I thought I was like, oh, hey, Charlie Theron. Is that where Dor- Dormammu is? OK, cool. It didn't do anything for me. It was just kind of like, OK. But I have a friend who's a huge Marvel fan and he was and he was like, yeah, Clea, she's awesome. Blah, blah. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Anyone who gathered clea from the get-go with that i i don't know i i feel like they might be lying i i really don't get how you go oh yeah that's clea um but i mean weirder things have happened so who knows so again continuing with the this thread in the post credit scene uh they've mentioned it a couple times with incursions i feel like phase four does not have an avenger setup but it feels like it is really starting to ramp up that they're going to set up Secret Wars, because anyone that's read Jonathan Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers storyline that uh, the New Avengers is focused almost entirely around the Marvel Comics version of the Illuminati and the Avengers storyline eventually collides with that, where essentially because the Avengers have screwed with time so much, they've created breaks in the multiverse, which create incursions and essentially two worlds will continually battle it out until one stands in the comics, it comes down to the ultimate Marvel universe and the regular six one six. And then Dr. Doom gets some magic and he creates battle world. It's an amazing comic run. I would definitely recommend reading Avengers, new Avengers before going into secret wars, 
but I, I feel like that's where they're going with this. They're talking about incursions with all this. If it only ends up being kind of like what they did with Captain America Civil War, where they end up doing Doctor Strange Secret Wars, I think that's a missed opportunity. So the last question, uh, do we think this appearance of John Krasinski as Reed Richards confirms him as Reed Richards throughout the multiverse? Or do you think that it's a one and done, like fans are clamoring for it? Here it is. Now shut up. I, mm, you know, Jim from The Office is a fun guy. I really hope that means that he actually is Reed Richards because I I saw him in the suit and the suit is like looks so good and he had with his like four lines of dialogue actually sold me on <laughs> yeah okay I can see this being the smartest most obnoxious man in the universe I I, I liked it I, I really hope that means he is you know I I want it to be isn't that enough? Just me wanting it to be. <laughs> so he's actually a lot younger than I thought he was. I, I like with 10 years on the office and it's been like 10 years since the office concluded. Um, I, I thought he would be closer to 50. He's only 42, which I believe is how old Robert Downey Jr. was when he took over the role of Iron Man. So hmm. he, he could come in technically or theoretically as a 42 year old, even even if they don't do Fantastic Four for two or three more years, he's only going to be 45. He could still go into his 50s being Reed Richards, especially oh, if they go with the kids with Franklin and, uh, oh, geez, what's the daughter's name? You're asking the wrong person, man. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin's the, the son. They have a daughter, too. I'm, I'm spacing on her name. Um, but yeah, I think they could go with like a, an older fantastic four because I mean, scientists, I, well, I mean, Reed's supposed to be a prodigy. So, I mean, he could be younger as well, but overall, I think I, I want, I would like to see John Krasinski as Reed Richards in the MCU. Cause again, I think he can hold his own. He has good chemistry. People seem to like him. And that's one thing we didn't talk about either is, um, uh, you got to remind me how to pronounce her name again. Uh, Chi, uh, Sochi. Sochi. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Sochi and Sochi Gomez and Benedict Cumberbatch had great chemistry. Uh, it, it did not seem like one was a veteran actor and one was a newbie. It really felt like like Tom Holland and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch or Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. It, there was really good back and forth and really good chemistry between those two. Yeah, they had great chemistry. I I felt that everything was just was well done. Uh, I'd like the casting choices, the selection, the, you know, a bit of nostalgia here and there. I, I will say, um, I, I really got to give, got to give Wanda props for nailing everything that she had to do physically. She, with a contortion and blood on her face and being evil, but then being sympathetic. And then that zombie very much deadite run in the underground caverns while she's bleeding, while hobbling, while her body's twisted as she's chasing after them. Elizabeth Olsen just nailed that role so well. Of like, she, I, I don't know how they approached her going like, by the way, yeah, you own WandaVision and you have this arc and it's like, and you seem to have learned something at the end. Can you just take this is a script we're hiring you? For, uh, yeah, you know, you, you have a contract, <laughs> you're going to do this. Um, yeah, on page 10, you'll find out you're, you're evil as hell. On page 12, you're even eviler. 
<laughs> and you get to be a mom for a little while, and then you're psychotically evil. And then at the end, you get to talk to yourself and cry. <laughs> <laughs> she understood the assignment. Yeah, and she bought into it. Because, like, so one of the things that Sam Raimi's known for is he physically punishes his actors. Um, I mean, Bruce Campbell, his role as Pizza Papa, where he ends up being enchanted by Dr. Strange to beat himself up for three weeks. He has to start punching himself and slam his own head into his pizza cart and other stuff. And the final end credit teaser scene at the end is him still beating himself up before he finally stops. And then he looks at the camera and laughs and says, it's over. (laughs) Those are the things he does. He punishes his actors in some ways by having these really physically demanding comical roles. Cause he grew up, they, well, they grew up his group, um, Bruce Campbell and his brother um, and Ted Remy and them, they grew up three Stooges fans. And they came up you know, with the Evil Dead, which is very comical over the top in these body movements and self-fighting and punishment. And he put her through the ringer and she came out as a champ of like, I was horrified by, there's a scene we didn't talk about, which is um, Strange briefly traps her in, I'm assuming the mirror dimension um, with like all these shards coming at her and like getting her stuck. And she br- figures out how to break out of the dimension by continuing to attack them through reflections. And when she's and she's yanking people through like water, like reflections and water and other stuff. And eventually she somehow there, this um, gong is shiny enough for her to pull herself out of it and twist herself and p- basically vomit herself on the floor and then come at them. And I was just like, that is very much a Sam Remy thing to be like, yeah, you're going to like contort yourself, come out of that and look really weird and creepy. And everyone's gonna be terrified. You go. Yeah. That moment gave me um, the ring vibes too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that we'll wrap up the discussion there. Um, this definitely went a lot longer than we were anticipating. Alex messaged me and he's like, yeah, we can knock this out in 45. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. This is a little longer. Remove my yeah. Sam Remy love sequences. It's going to shape down a little tiny. <laughs> so uh, before we go, I do want to shout out a couple of things real quick. I was recently on episodes of um, the Geeky Dad podcast with Raphael, which we got to get Raphael on. Uh, maybe we'll try and get him on for Thor Love and Thunder. We talked about Batman Forever and like kind of comparing it with the Batman. I just did a spot with the Fanatics podcast where we sit down and we watch the movie The Fanatic which they've done for, as of my recording, 40 weeks. And I don't know how they've done that, but that was a lot of fun. That'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, I, I don't think I ever really mentioned that. I, I did a, a guest spot with the Cultworthy podcast, our friend Antonio. Uh, we talked about a goofy movie, and apparently that is just doing gangbusters for his numbers. And uh, I'm just very appreciative of anyone listening and, uh, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth. Antonio's show is fantastic. Love listening to it, and it was a real pleasure being on that that episode. Um, so I'm I'm very very excited that that episode that we produced together just is doing so well. Um, so definitely check those out and keep an ear out. We will always share uh, our Brain Trust podcasts as well as guest spots that we're on. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, do the socials and we'll head out. And thank you again for sticking around and listening to all this. Uh, Dr. Strange, very good. Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, just as good. Uh, maybe not quite as good. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it when we do our big rankings. We'll probably have to break that into two parts. So you can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. Last name is spelled S-K-A-A-R. 
You can find us on the podcast on Twitter at talking smack pod. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And Alex, what theme music do we have this week? And let me guess, Danny Elfman. No, 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 no. He got too expensive after uh, Multiverse of Madness. I got Ron <laughs> Wasserman, the composer of the X-Men the Animated Series theme song. Ooh, all right. Well, roll that theme music, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye. Watch Star Trek. Oh. What the original script was with what ended up becoming the new shooting script with the reshoots and everything we'll never really know um, unless they throw all those deleted scenes into the the blu-ray which i mean spider-man no way home they were like oh there's like 20 deleted scenes that are gonna make like their own little mini movie that'll be on the dvd no it wasn't like not even on the 4k that's probably more of a sony decision than it is a marvel decision but like disney and marvel have also been throwing in the uh universe assembled or whatever uh, series it is where like that's all the the behind the scenes and making of stuff that used to go on extra features and blu-rays and dvds and now it's extra content for a streaming service and i'm like i don't want that whether that's uh, kevin feige and the mcu just being really cagey or not but um i remember the director of thor 2 said that the original cut was about three and a half hours and the movie ended up like 210 and he was he never came back and they talked to christopher eccleston who was the dark elf bad guy in that um christopher eccleston who is most probably most famous for being the ninth doctor he talked about how basically every bit of development of his character and every bit of his backstory was in that hour that they threw out including this apparently very long scene that was like the dark elf's home life before they got blocked away into whatever pocket dimension they got shoved into before being released you know those those uh deleted scenes have never appeared so we'll probably never see them yeah i i think that's that's more strategic because thor the dark world is arguably one of the two or three worst movies in the mcu and when you hit those bottom three it's it is pretty bad comparatively like once you we've got 28 movies so like the top 25 they're all probably average to above average to really, really good, if not great. And then you've got those bottom three. They're like, ooh, yeah, no, I don't I don't want to yep. watch those. So I, I feel like if you release those deleted scenes in an already bad movie, and you're like, that was a good scene. Why was that taken out? You're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot even further. Oh, certainly. Maybe we'll have to do our ultimate ranking of the 30 Marvel movies when we get to Black Panther 2. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then there's also the... The Disney Plus series, which by the end of the year, we should have She-Hulk, I believe, as well, along with uh, Ms. Marvel that's coming out in a few weeks. There's so much content. Okay, so what's the difference between Secret Wars and Secret Invasion? Or is that the same thing? No. Secret Wars, there's been two, technically. The first Secret Wars was from, uh, I think, the early 80s. It's when Spider-Man gets his black suit. That's when uh, an entity known as the Beyonder essentially says, I'm going to play chess with villains and heroes, and we're going to see who wins. Does good beat out evil? What happens? And then the newest one uh, from 2015, I believe, or 2014, I think it's 2015, uh, Jonathan Hickman, they basically just took the name and uh, redid the whole idea where uh, essentially the multiverse now just lives on a planet. So there's like a continent that is Marvel zombies, and they have a giant wall to contain it. Uh, and then there's um, like 
a dystopian wasteland where Captain Marvel is the the leader of a resistance. And uh, my favorite is the Thor's comic, which is a police force made up entirely of multiverse Thor's. There's a Groot Thor, there's a Storm Thor, there's a Thor Thor, there's an old Thor. The old Thor is the crotchety police captain, and it is just fantastic. It's written by Jason Aaron. Obviously, with Thor Love and Thunder coming out, everyone's going to be reading the Mighty Thor run. Add Thors to that list because it it doesn't necessarily carry over post-Secret Wars, but it is so good. Sounds good. Um, But Secret Invasion, to your question... Uh, that's all about the scrolls coming and trying to claim Earth as their own. So it's more like espionage and double agents and all that sort of thing. The only thing I really know about Secret Wars is that Spider-Man got the black suit out of a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, he he got bad directions for Mister Fantastic and uh, went the wrong way. Like, oh, you can go get it fixed over there. It, actually, it's over there. But Spider-Man went that way. Stop! Come back! Oh, it's too late. <laughs> I had one other thing I was going to talk about with Secret Wars. Now I can't remember. <laughs> we, uh, uh, that's okay. My stop comeback was pretty good. 